Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in hour number two of the program here on Tuesday. And talk to the engineer uh, during the break. And Phil came in and helped you. I think think that was my fault with the phone before. Uh, like I said, it's been a long time since I've used this phone system. So I apologize if I hung up on somebody. But the phone lines will be open at 508-996-0500. And as well as app chat on the WBSM app and the open line feature on the WBSM app. But right now in studio, we have Lisa White here with us. She joined us a, a few weeks ago on the program. As you know, she is a landlord who owns a number of properties uh, across the city. And she was taking part last night in the North End Neighborhood Association meeting, uh, which was designed to be a discussion between you and Councilor at Large Shane Burgo, who is the person who has proposed the non-binding ballot question about rent stabilization. And first of all, I want to say uh, we I used your graphic that you had put out mm. last week for some discussion and, and talk us a little bit through about how you put together those numbers and, and what you were what you were finding when you took a look at who's been applying and, and, and what the what the demographics seem to be. Absolutely. The, uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me again. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so I, I received in, uh, between quarters, uh, four of 2022 and quarters one of, uh, and quarter one of 2023, uh, 3,068 applications, which is just, uh, that's, that's astounding. Uh, and so I, I basically just applied, um, some, some basic formulas. Uh, to average those numbers and uh, normalize them, we found that the average um, the average applicant had a household income of just over four thousand dollars a month, but the average New Bedford unit was requiring a uh, a minimum minimum qualification of five thousand dollars a month. Uh, so that's a problem, uh, and we see again and again um, in these applications more and more people from from the greater Boston area coming here to apply for our units and and to be honest Tim they're better they're better qualified applicants you know they they typically come here with um, sometimes six digit uh, yearly incomes and how, how is a, a typical New Bedford applicant going to uh, compete with someone who has two or even three times the amount of income that they that they have and then of course if you're a landlord, who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose someone with with lesser uh, income or someone uh, more secured? You know, with more with more income, and so that's a little bit frightening. But probably the most frightening uh, statistic on there 
was that there were over a thousand households currently uh, searching for for a rental right now, and at the time there were only thirty eight units available, uh, and that's in the entire city. Now, as of yesterday morning, that number was only twenty nine. There's twenty nine advertised available units, and uh, and you know over a thousand households looking. So you know that equates to a thousand new Bedford households that just simply won't be able to find a unit here. So they're going to have to go somewhere else. So there's, there does certainly need to be, you know, more. And, and the city's comprehensive housing plan came out last week. Mm-hmm. And there's there's effort that's going to be put in to get more development happening. And that's certainly a major tool in helping to solve this problem. But it's just one of many things that has to go on. Uh, so last night's discussion was supposed to be about, you know, what this plan is for rent stabilization, which... Really, the way it's been portrayed here is that there there isn't a plan yet that the question is being put out there on the ballot to see if people want the pursuit of a plan and that then if the residents vote in the affirmative, then the council will start exploring options for that. What were you hearing last night as, as some of the – were you hearing anything about a plan that might be in place? The the plan that, that Mr. Burgo presented, um, it, it outlined – um, a system that would incentivize landlords to evict because the stabilization would only happen on the, on the, um, on the current resident. So if you were to say evict your tenant, then, um, while, um, the next, the next avail or the next, uh, time you rent out that unit, you could rent it out for whatever amount you wanted. And then, um, the other thing that he mentioned specifically that I, I think would be um, a big problem. Uh, he said that rent stabilization would only apply to tenants that had a uh, a current written lease agreement, which would, of course, uh, incentivize landlords to just um, seek out month-to-month or at-will tenancies, which would um, just completely obliterate any sort of stability that you have in the rental market here. So the idea being, you know, obviously... You know, I'm not saying you would do this as a landlord, but that landlords could say, you know, I'm going to find any reason I can to get rid of this current resident. And so now something that might have been an easily workable issue before becomes I've got to get these people out of there just because I want to raise the price of that unit. Exactly. Or or um, the other the other um, situation you'd be looking at a lot of the buildings last sold in, uh, you know, 2003, 2005, many, many years ago for a much lower price. And those rents might reflect lower expenses, as you might expect. Um, and if if that if the owner went to sell the property, they wouldn't have the option of raising those rents up to market value to make the building sellable. So they would be more incentivized to just kick everybody out and sell it and deliver it, deliver the the property vacant. And that would be a problem. So when when you brought up the I'm assuming you brought up these as issues in the in the discussion what was the response to 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 these points uh he said that you know there was a lot to work out um but my main point um and I think that people are are not getting the whole story my main point is was that um rent control and it doesn't matter if you call it rent stabilization or rent control it's it's just a different name is illegal at the state level it's it's prohibited in massachusetts so there's no pathway that leads from this motion to a a rent stabilized market here it just doesn't exist and 
I, I can't I can't figure out the point of this. Um, you're 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 misleading the the voters, and you're going to have a, a lot of people that believe that they're they're voting on rent control, and that there there's um, there's hope for that, and it's just not. It's not right. in, in this. It's going to have to. It's going to have to get to the point where the state legislature would approve it for a home rule petition. And uh, what's the likelihood of that? I mean, I think because you're looking at, ha- at it happening in Boston, that you think it can happen here, but that's not. It's not apples to apples in in terms of those situations. Oh, exactly. And actually, um, I believe that the chances of Boston's initiative passing are very slim. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're not Boston. You know, Boston has an average rent over $3,000 a month. Our average rent here in New Bedford is below the median rent nationwide. So uh, as of yesterday, um, the median rent in the United States was over $1,900. We're only $1,600 here. So regulating a market that's already under value is, I mean, you're just, you're asking to, you're going to, uh, you're going to hurt the real estate market there. You're going to hurt the development. There's not, uh, there's not a whole lot of positives that come along with that. And then the other thing is, um, like it or not, we're in a capitalist system. Capitalist systems are, are dictated with, by supply and demand. So when you have a thousand people looking for the same thing and only 29 of those things available, you have a, you know, a, a lopsided market there. And, uh, government regulation always, always reduces competition. Not sometimes, like every time. So you're, you're basically, you're basically saying you want the market to be even more competitive. Well, uh, again, this was in the North End, the North End Neighborhood Association. You have properties in the North End. Yeah. I'm sure some of the folks who are there are renters in, in some of your units. And what was the what, what seemed to be the tone and tenor of the audience, uh, the folks who were listening to, to this debate? Um, I think that there was uh, there was a good amount of landlords that that showed up to the meeting uh, as well as um, tenants, and uh, they seemed receptive to both sides. It, it seemed. Um, the people that showed up seemed seemed very receptive to uh, and open minded, which was good. Um, the conversation did get a little bit sour at the end, uh, as as can be expected. You have a lot of people in in the uh, room with vested interests on both sides, so um, it did get a little bit emotional, and and people um, got angry, but. Uh, it was it was it was very interesting, and it was uh, as far as I know the first time that landlords have actually been invited to to the conversation. So I used a, um, a hypothetical scenario where I was uh, saying like I like free pizza, and you know you guys all like free pizza. And we could make a free pizza coalition, and we could we could have meetings about how great free pizza is. But until we you know decide to invite the pizza makers to the table, we're not looking to solve any problems. You know, and then imagine you're a pizza maker and you, you hear that the community that you live in, that you invest in, you know, your time, your ever effort, your, your money, they're creating a coalition about your product, your service, and they're, um, they're not inviting you to, to give your input. How apt are you going to be to invest more into that community? And you're just not. Well, and that's something that has come up in a lot of the discussion is, you know, 
who are the landlords that are causing the problems here? Because uh, people like yourself who live in the city and who, you know, see you see your tenants every day, you're interacting with them all the time. Um, and, you know, you approach things a little bit differently than corporations that come in and buy up some of these properties. And I think if you if you came up with something that is more targeted toward the ones that are the issue, then that might be something that's a little bit more palatable and probably a lot more legal. Well, well, the other thing to uh, to consider, though, is if you limit the amount of profit a building can make, there's not a whole lot of people, individuals, that are able to go into a uh, a property purchase where you have to come in with a hundred thousand plus down. And then go in losing money because if, if the tenants are still in place, you can't make those, those rents equal the, uh, the expenses. There's, there's a very small group of people or group of, uh, entities that are able to go in into a loss like that. And it's corporations. You're basically asking for corporate ownership to expand in New Bedford. And that's, I think that we can all agree that that's the wrong direction to go. But you also have to understand, like a situation like what happened on Elm Street and that building there, where somebody comes in and says, "Oh, your rent was eight hundred, now it's sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Like you have, I mean, you feel sympathy for the people that are in that situation, and you know that that shouldn't be the way that that somebody's doing business. Oh, of course, of course. But uh, on the other hand, when was the last time that building sold? You know, uh, when and eight hundred, eight hundred dollars in rent is is far below. The fair market rent, and and I I don't mean to sound unsympathetic because I I am I've I knew um, several people in that building, um, but at the same time we have to respect property rights, and if we begin messing with the amount of profit a building can make, then we're also we're also messing with the amount of capital investments that a building owner can make. And these buildings are old. These buildings are old. They need a lot of work. So I, there's, I can see, I can see both sides of it. I, I honestly can. Honestly, I, I think that this entire conversation, although it, it's non-binding, it, I see it, I see it more of, uh, like a, a trick, um, a political trick to try to get people to the polls or to try to gain popularity. But, I think that it has some some pretty big implications. If you were a landlord uh, and you and you weren't really privy to all of the information, you might be inspired to bring up your rents that are below market. You know, eight hundred, seven hundred dollars. You might you might uh, feel a push to bring up your your rents to fair market fair market rates right now. And on a uh, on a two bedroom. Fair market rent is over fifteen hundred dollars. So now we're we're inspiring these these drastic increases just so that they can get it before this comes about. But it it doesn't even have a possibility of coming about. So yeah, you're just you're you're reacting in in fear of that and fear of something that's probably not going to happen. If anybody wants to call in with any questions, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. So you had said that things got heated last night, and I know you know I've seen some characterizations of how the media uh, how the meeting went um, online, and it seemed like yeah, you without getting into you know the interpersonal dynamics of it all what were the issues that were getting people especially heated um i think that 
I, I, it's, it's all, it was all a little bit personal. Um, Counselor Sean Oliver was making some very valid points. And uh, Counselor Burgo uh, interrupted him and, and didn't allow him to fish, finish his points. Um, Counselor Burgo mentioned that he didn't actually write this motion, uh, this initiative, it, that it was put forth by um, the Social Justice Warriors, I think. and The uh, Coalition for Social Justice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coalition for Social Justice. And uh, actually, he said that they were going to be releasing a letter soon. So I'm going to be looking for that. Um, you know, because it's, it's good to have some information, a backstory there. Um, I think that... So it's just more emotions than it was necessarily the, the, the topics. Exactly. And uh, the impression that I came away with was that there wasn't a whole lot of research behind this. And, and there really wasn't. Um, and, you know, it was, it was the first, um, opportunity for the public to speak. And, uh, that really should have happened before they voted on it. They, they really should have. And then, um, you know, you had some counselors saying that they would have voted differently if it had been binding. I, I just have to ask why. You know, it, it makes the whole thing, it, it takes away the credibility of the entire thing. Well, do you feel like, do you feel like this could have been a more productive conversation had landlords and property owners and others been brought into the conversation? And also, if there was a plan being presented with the question rather than a question saying, do you want us to come up with a plan? Oh, absolutely. But I mean, let, let's not, let's not ignore how, why we're talking about this. We're talking about this because back in 1994, the people of Massachusetts who were currently living in rent control, you know, decided that rent control, they decided collectively rent control is not a good thing. We don't want this anymore. And, uh, and so they went through the, the democratic process and they gathered their 75,000 signatures to put it on the state ballot. And then the majority voted against rent control. And it was, it was a slim margin. Uh, but the majority said, this is not good for us. And now to, to try to undo all of that work, with, I'm sorry, a loophole, you know, the, with a home rule petition loophole is just, it's undermining our democratic process. So, um, that's, that's a little bit frustrating. It's, it's frustrating to see that people could, could, could do, you know, could do this the right way and, and still have it overturned by, by a legislator. Did um did you get a chance to take a look at the city's comprehensive housing plan and, and the plan that they put out last week? Uh, I, I briefly looked at it. Um, that was put out by Mayor Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's some really great points in there. And, and you know what? He, he really, um, he, he emphasizes the need to build. He emphasizes the, the shortage of housing units that we have here. And I can't stress to you enough the importance, the importance of, of development. Uh, it's not necessarily that there's, that there's a problem with rental increases. I mean, nobody likes their bills going up. Nobody. The problem is that people don't have a choice. So when they're presented with a rental increase that let's say they can't afford, their choice, their choices are to be evicted or to try to pay something that they, that they can't pay because there's nowhere else to go. You know, if, if you, if you give them an option besides eviction or non-payment, that's at least that's at least better and and let's you know let's be completely honest 
the majority of people, people love the city of New Bedford. I love New Bedford. But a lot of people live there because they can't afford to live somewhere else. So providing people with options, housing options, is going to be the best bet all the time. Have you, how would you characterize the way that the city has worked with you in the past as a landlord, as a as a property owner, have they made it easy for you to be a landlord that can provide affordable, you know, I don't want to say affordable housing because people think you mean affordable housing, but units that people can afford to live in? Um, yes and no. Uh, this city is very, it's difficult. This This city can be very, very difficult, but... There's also a human aspect where, you know, you're not, if you call, you're not going to get a recording. You're going to get a human being. And, and I suppose that's, um, what my tenants like about me. When they, when they call for maintenance, they're going to, you know, talk to my husband. When they call about having to be late a few days on the rent, they're going to talk to me. And, and so there's something about that human aspect that, that personalizes it. And you have that in the city. And, and we're able to give that as well. And, and by and large, yes, the, um, we are able, we're able to offer our tenants rents that are far below fair market rent. And, uh, that's something that we're very proud of. And we probably wouldn't be able to offer that anywhere else. So I, I am very grateful for the opportunity. And we're, we're all in in the city. We've cashed in our 401ks. We, uh, we're all in in the city of New Bedford. Um, I will say sometimes, um, uh, Sometimes we don't really feel that welcomed, but but we're trying. We're trying. That welcomed by the the powers that be, or by the citizens, or well, probably by the citizens. Um, I mean, it's difficult. There's um, there's a divide between landlords and tenants, and if you think about it, I mean, besides besides the monetary aspect, landlords and tenants should want the same things: maintained buildings, you know, no uh, no drama. No problems, but uh, there's just this deep divide, and uh, and I don't think that this is helping the situation. Yeah, and I and I I do feel that anytime you start asking you know questions of voters without giving them what it is that you you want to do, I think that that's that's a that's a that's a tough sell to sell. like I think there's going to be a lot of people who when this question comes up on the ballot in November because it's probably going to make it through the veto uh I think there's going to be a lot of people who will vote on this not despite no matter how much we've talked about it not knowing anything about what it's actually all about they're just going to look at it on paper and say yeah that sounds good exactly and then and then they're going to be expecting rent control and when that doesn't when that doesn't materialize in my opinion they're going to they're going to try to blame the landlords but you're going to have a lot of people that are very, very disappointed and a lot of people who are who are in dire situations right now and unable to make ends meet, thinking that there's hope on the way. And it's this. It's not this. It's not this. All right. Well, how can people reach out to you if they want to talk more with you about this? Um, well, I have, a, I have a few ways to uh, to get in touch and I have a few different resources, actually. Um, we're my company is participating in a renter's bill of rights with the uh, White House. And a couple of the things that we have vowed to do is not use credit scores when uh, when uh, selecting our applicants and to try to bring junk fees down for landlords, which would assist um, in helping people pay the rent, you know, making uh, making the cost of ownership a little bit lower. So what we did was uh, we created a, a website 
uh, has a bunch of resources for both uh, tenants and landlords. We host all of the uh, rental documents you'll ever need to run a successful Massachusetts um, rental business. And you can download those uh, completely free. There's also free property management software and a database for you to use. And then for tenants, we have um, the uh, landlord-tenant laws, um, Section 8 um, applications, uh, other sorts of um, assistance applications like utility assistance through PACE, and uh, and then a way to report discrimination to the Attorney General's office. And you can... Uh, you can uh, go to this site um, by visiting www.newbedfordhousing.com. And um, first of all, we got a call here that I, I'd want to take before uh, before we take the break. Um, but you kind of talked about this uh, during your run for, for city council. As a landlord, of course, you want to have all of your units filled with people that want to rent them. But you also want to see everybody that wants to own their own home own their own home. Oh, yeah. we're I'm a big proponent of homeownership. So this isn't coming from somebody who, you know, just wants to get every dollar that they can. You would much rather see people buying their own homes. And, you know, there'll always be people who would just rather rent. Mm-hmm. There'll always be people who say, I'd rather not have the responsibility of having to fix things. Uh, and that's that's a huge plus for a lot of folks. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't ever want to have to pay for a repair. Uh, let's take a call here if I can do it right. Good morning. You were on with Lisa White. Hello. Okay, I did it right that time. This this is not me. This is I think something's just wrong here. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're yeah, there. Hi. Yes, we hi. we figured it out. I've got a question. Uh, do they? Does she or even the city council have any handle on how much property is currently being developed in the city of New Bedford for future housing? Uh, I I don't know the uh, exact answer to that. I know that. Um, there's 27 units going in at the base of Union Street. There's a couple more uh, developments that are planned for Union. Um, and I think Temple Landing has a uh, has an expansion that's uh, for the elderly. Uh, you know what? You know, you know what I'm asking is, and I'll just cut to the point. I, on a Christian Avenue, I've been watching for over a year now. I don't know if you're familiar with the North End of New Bedford, but it used to be Chuck's China Inn, a restaurant up the North End. Yep. And above it is, was a lot of apartments, a lot of them. And they were all run down. I'd been in them like 40 years ago. They were a mess. So there's been somebody in there. I don't know if it's a, a corporation or an individual, but boy, I'll tell you. I mean, he's gutted that whole three floors above it. He's put in brand new windows. I mean, he's had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm assuming it's going to be apartment rentals. But I'm thinking... Imagine him with all the money he's put into this. If all of a sudden he's faced with rent control, no, it's a. You know what I mean, how, how does he make? How does he? I don't, I don't even know how he covers it. No, I I agree with you. We actually, um, one of our buildings is uh, the old. If you're familiar with the North End around there, the old Bay State TV building, right? Uh, and we've put easily five hundred thousand dollars into that building over the past few years. Um, and we were lucky enough to to have purchased it at a much lower price than you know we would have if we bought it today. But still, it's it's a massive expense, and and anytime you 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 have a business expense, you should have a reasonable um, you should you should expect a reasonable return on your money there. So sure, and that's what I'm saying is uh, if people, I guess the big 
elephant in the room is there isn't enough housing. Well, here is somebody, either a corporation or an individual, that's pumping tons of money into this place. And at the end of the day, they're going to look at them and say, well, you can only rent these for $700. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the call. All I'm right, going right. to try to squeeze yep. in another one. Uh, good morning. You are next on WBSM. Let's see here. Hold on. Get rid of that one. Hi, you're on WBSM. Okay, hold on. Hello. Hello, there you are. Oh, you lost me for a moment. I'm just a little concerned because, like I say, it's okay to, you know, rain hard to make money. That That's okay. Uh, you know, they fix your apartments and so forth. But nobody's going to tell me in my life of 85 years old that Somebody wants to rent a two-room apartment for $1,600. Those people are what I call nothing but gougers for rent. You, you've already paid your house. It's probably the house is bought and paid for. So why charge so much? Well, so, oh. really, it is. You, you can't tell me $1,600 for a two-room We don't live in Boston. That's why Boston's coming here. Well... First of all, the the rents are about $3,600 plus in Boston. So you're right. We're not Boston. Thank goodness. But if a three-family sold today, the sales price would be between $450,000, dollars $475,000. Okay, that's what and the market... And who evaluated that property? That That's the, the current... The assessors? That's the current market value. And so oh, if if... If you purchase a property for that amount of money as an investor, you're going to have to put down $100,000 in cash, and then your monthly payments are going to be around $4,200 a month. So to break even, just to break even on the property, you'd be looking at rents of around $1,500, $1,600 a month. That's not including exp- uh, any expenses, no no utilities, no maintenance. Well, we, we, but when you rent a place, we pay for the gas, we pay for the electricity, we pay for the water, you pay for water, and that's it. Indeed, indeed. But I'm I'm talking about just the the mortgage, and the the just the PMI, you know, mortgage, um, the uh, the principal, interest, taxes, and insurance would be forty two hundred dollars a month. Divide that by three, you know, and and you're not very far away from sixteen hundred dollars a month each, and that's with zero profit. That's not even making a single dollar a door. So that, so what you're telling me that if you bought a three decker five rooms, right? Mm-hmm. You bought a three-decker and it's a five-room tenement first, second, and third floor. You can allow to be able to pay $2,000 a month. Who in the world in this stupid city can afford it? You're throwing the old people out on the curb which they can't afford it. I can't understand that there's no jobs here. So who can afford it? Well, I don't understand where your principle comes in. You sound like a very smart woman. Thank you. But I feel you got a lot of property you own. I, I don't. Oh yeah, but she's she's not charging those rents. I, Maybe she's not charging it, but somebody else is. She just said sixteen hundred dollars is an easy rent. How I can't afford it? I'm on a fixed income. I I, I didn't she say just it's raised my rent four hundred dollars. Okay, let, let her let her respond. Let her respond. Uh, I'm not saying that $1,600 is a, an easy rent. Uh, in fact, it's almost my entire mortgage payment. Um, 
it's it's not an easy situation for anybody, but the the rents are determined by the real estate market. The real estate market dictates the uh, expenses there, and triple deckers are selling for four hundred seventy five thousand dollars right now. So that's it. It's just the numbers. I have to take a break. Do you want to stick around and, and take some more calls after the break? Sure. All right. Well, why don't we do that? We have to take the break. If you want to call in and ask any questions of Lisa White, 508-996-0500, or you can hit it up uh, on App Chat, or you can use Open Line on the WBSM app. We'll be right back. We are talking with Lisa White, a landlord in the city of New Bedford, about the the rent stabilization question and the meeting last night in the North End. Um, I do have two more breaks that I have to take before the end of the hour. So uh, I, I apologize in advance for having to keep things short. But let's uh, let's take another call here. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Lisa. Hello. Yeah, hi. I got a... Um, uh, is it Lisa I'm talking to? Yes. Yeah, hi. Um, you say you got more applicants coming from Boston, from Boston uh, correct? Yes. And uh, I wish I had, when I owned apartments in, uh, well, I used to own a few, a couple of houses in Boston. I wish I had those applicants because the thing is, you can tell they'll keep up with the place. Yeah. Uh, and they can afford it. And they'll keep up with the place. The land, the, the tenants I had uh, a couple of times towards the end, they, and, and trust me, the rents were very reasonable because the houses were paid for. It wasn't over 700 bucks a month. And that was like maybe three, four years ago. What I'm trying to get at, uh, you get tenants, and all of a sudden you get tenants get squatters. Other words, other people to share the rent. Exactly. And uh, and you know you know what happens after that? It's uh, never the same, and you can't you know you can't really evict them, right. uh, or you have a hard time evicting them. So so yes, I mean um, I don't blame them. Uh, get more applicants from Boston. They will keep up the place, uh, keep up with the place because getting good tenants is very hard nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, and, and at those prices, even the, the three families are getting twelve, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400. It's, they're getting that, but they're, it's shared between, you know, a few people. Well, and it's only, you know, to afford that. It, it should be as well. When you're talking about a, a two or three bedroom apartment, uh, a lot of people like to, uh, to compare, you know, well, minimum wage is only $15 an hour. But, if you're if you're in a position where you need a, a three bedroom apartment and you only have one minimum wage earner in the home, is that is that the landlord's fault? I mean, at some, and I hate to be um, crass or or, uh, or judgmental, but at some point there needs to be some accountability there. You know, uh, you maybe shouldn't be making you know life decisions that you know, are going to require you to have a three bedroom apartment if you only have one minimum wage earner in the home. That is correct, correct, and and. Um you know, the gentleman was talking about Chuck's China Inn. That is going to be some nice apartments in there. Um, I don't know how many, but they they really got enough to place, and it's going to be pretty pretty nice apartments. And it's, uh, whoever invested in there uh, is a good spot because it's right near the T station, not far from there, from the from the train station. And uh, New Bedford is short of apartments. There's nowhere to build. I mean, they had Phillips Avenue. They could have done something there. Three years ago, there was a developer. Now, whoever goes in there now is going to spend three times the money. Yeah. To I, put that up. I just got to hold you there because I'm up against the break, but thank you for the call. Thank you. Have a good day. And um, just uh, Wally in New Bedford said that Chuck's China Inn's apartments are owned by Arujo Plumbing. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's uh, some information from Wally. I'm not that I'm not that I'm 
saying that he's not trustworthy, but uh, I just I can't verify that. So why don't we take our next break? We'll be back in a few moments. Back in. Uh, we have just a few moments left with Lisa White, but I, w- I wanted to read some of the app chat messages that have been coming in. Um, uh, Bob Cabral says the social justice people actually sponsor this bill. Breaking news. Let that sink in. We need a moderate approach to the government. Haven't we seen enough hate? Extremists on both sides are killing our nation. Good point by Lisa. I wouldn't characterize it as necessarily extremists and hate groups, but, you know, that's that's Bob's opinion. Um, the old Cliftex building has been made into apartments and market rate there is $1,700 a month. So we are seeing, you know, a lot of these places advertised at around that price. Yeah, I, the average uh, uh, advertised rental price as of uh, yesterday was $1,680 here. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, and I guess for a lot of people, they look at that and they say, how can I afford that? And let's let's be fair. Uh, if people are worried about being able to afford that, there's probably always adjustments that you can make in your lifestyle to be able to afford a little bit more rent. So I think people do panic a little bit and realize that you can, you know, you can alter your lifestyle a little bit. Number one thing that you need in your life is shelter. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm going to say food or water, but but shelters. I will. There. I will. I will eat dollar ramen as long as my rent is paid. That's you do need dollar ramen though. Uh, but that's. I mean, as a landlord, I I appreciate that that mentality. It doesn't get better than that. But uh, and and let's remember that's an average. Uh, and and the majority of units that are actively advertised and available are the newer, l- more luxury units. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my two bedrooms uh, go for a range of uh, go for from between around eight hundred dollars up to about eleven hundred dollars. So, far below far below seventeen hundred dollars. And again, your website is newbedfordhousing.com if people want to find out more and if they want to find out more about all these different programs and different things and inform- bits of information that you have. Absolutely. There's uh, there's resources for both uh, landlords and tenants there, as well as um, buyers, people who are considering buying a home. So, Are you... Are you talking with other landlords in the city about, you know, working together uh, against this question as it comes up on the ballot? Uh, we haven't um, we haven't necessarily, you know, talked talked very much. We we spoke a little bit at the uh, the city council meeting a few weeks ago, and then last night there were there were a few landlords that showed up. But there's nothing. Um, there's a landlord association locally, but um, it's it's more of a networking group. So. Um, there's there's not a whole lot of um, opportunities for us to to get together and, and and speak about it yet. I'm sure as we get closer to November, we'll be hearing from a lot more landlords, uh, at least here on WBSM. So, got to take my final break of the hour, Lisa. Thank you for coming in and joining us, and and thank you for taking the calls and, and sharing information with the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Tim. All right. We'll be back in a few moments. And welcome back in. We've only got a minute here before we're going to go into the newsroom, but I want to say thank you to Lisa White for coming in and for being part of the discussion. Of course, we will definitely be talking more with her as we go forward with this question. We'll have other landlords in. We'll have all perspectives uh, in addressing this question because it's, again, it's something that I think all of you um, have a, a an opinion on one way or the other. And even if you don't live in the city, you do know that this is uh, something that is going to have an effect one way or another on the surrounding communities. So it's it's certainly something that will be worth the discussion no matter how you feel about it. Uh, if you ask me honestly how much I feel about it, and, and, and again, I've probably evolved. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.